When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Welcome to Naked Reflections, brought to you from the Wolf Institute. I'm Ed Kessler, and each week I'll be taking an in-depth look at the stories reported by our friends over at the Naked Scientists. What does the latest scientific stuff mean for the rest of us? Stay with us and find out. There's no success like failure, and failure's no success at all. A typically nomic observation from Bob Dylan but I think we know what he means. Success can turn into failure at the drop of a hat, and sometimes we feel as if we've got a foot in both camps. Failure can also act as a spur to success, of course. Rebecca Chabonneau took us back to the politics of the Cold War and the space race in the Naked Scientist show The Moon Landing 50 Years Later. In 1962, Kennedy was suffering massive political embarrassment uh, in regards to the Bay of Pigs invasion, which had happened the prior year. And of course, there was the escalating tension between the Soviet Union and the United States. In regards to technical prowess and success in space, the Soviet Union had been massively successful while the United States had suffered public failure after public failure. In fact, Kennedy, when he was giving his speech at Rice University, said something along the lines of, we have had our failures, but so have others, even if they do not admit them. Failure is our subject this week. And my two guests are admirably qualified to talk about it. And I mean that in a good way. Professor Shadon Lin is founder of the Education for Persistence Center at the University of Columbia in New York and was recently appointed an educational advisor to the OECD. And the Reverend Neil Thorogood, former president of the Cambridge Theological Federation and minister of the United Reformed Church based in the Bristol area. As a Christian, Neil is a member of the most successful, largest religion in the world, yet Christianity was noted for its failure in its earliest years. We'll certainly come to that, Neil, as the program goes on. Shadong, you've had a powerful experience of failure yourself as a young schoolgirl, which led you onto the path of failure education. Could you share that experience with us and what it means? 
I don't think that any particular experiences in lead to my study of a failure. However, because there are so many of the failures in my life, I'm a studying、uh, psychology and a motivation psychologist. And so, if you really want to understand what motivates people to achieve, and only looking at a success, we missed a very important. A part of the success and achievement, the impact of any failure on individual is really different. And a failure for somebody is a success, and for others is a failure. And for others, meaning that open a different door for you. And so, regardless of the size, small or big, the impact it varies with you know. Around individuals, that's also why it's so difficult to study. It changes the feeling of a failure changes as time goes. For example, the experience you were talking about—that I was kicked out of the high school by the English teacher because I overestimated my English test scores—and now I look at it, what a small matter. But at the time, for a teenager, is a big, big deal. And、uh, being kicked out of the school in front of all the people, you、uh, all the peers, over forty people in the same classroom, the whole school knows about it, and、uh, you know it's a big face loss experiences along the way of development of human development. You pick up a lot of things into, into your bag, and、uh, some are toys, and others are junks, and others are sweeties, and others are、uh, gold, and、uh, so. <laughs> So you 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 carry this along the way, and at some point something really clicked from your back and、um, made you become who you are today, or combinational interactive effect made you where you are today. And I hope I answered your question. Well, I suspect you're implying that failure, to some extent, is a nugget, is actually a piece of gold. The failure is a piece of gold and offers very important information if. You are equipped and able to get that gold and get that information. But if you're not, and this is a horrifying experiences. And、uh, unfortunately, the、uh, all the stories we we heard about successful people, these people have already got this gold and the information wrapped in the failure experiences. But to many others. Are not so fortunate and are not able to get it. This is where educational power come into the being. That we need to help people realize there is a gold there, and we need to help you to get it. Chadong, that's really really interesting. I was wondering, what what is it that, in your experience, what is it that kind of makes the difference between discovering that nugget and and it leading to something positive? And that nugget, as it were, you know, never turning into something positive, becoming some, yeah, you know, actually something destructive. This is what we are trying to study right now, and、uh, we're not there yet. One factor I saw repeatedly with people who are able to turn failures into success is that number one, they have incredible amount of passion about what they are doing. You know, I interviewed Nobel laureates as well as U.S. Olympians, 
and I have interviewed sixteen of them so far. If I could、uh, make some hypothesis from these data, I say passion doesn't matter what field, what field you are in, sports or science or whatever. You got to love what you do, and if you don't love what you do, this is a very difficult to hear the criticism. So that's number one. And another thing is expectations. And if your expectation is very low, and sometimes or very high, and sometimes you are really either way, two extremes, very low and very high, you can really get into a helpless situation when you experience failure. That's what I saw, and I think someone in the middle mid range of goals are the best. That's also proved by. Uh, psychologists such as David McKellen and、uh, also Kurt Lewis, and、uh, these are all the grits in the motivational research and the theory. And they were talking about people who put the goals in the middle range are usually happier and、uh, able to accomplish a little bit at a time, and then they can adjust goals over time. And another thing I say, another factor, you need to build the feeling as a process. And if you think this is the dead end, so this is my experience of interviewing children. I found students feel less hopeless and and depressed when the field grades happen in the midterm, in the homework, and in the project versus the final project. So if you view this as a final, 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 and you you failed. And you really have a hard time to turn around. Negativity is just way too heavy to turn around. And so, if you view that as a process, and and some good students, because they have a lot of good experiences, successful experience in the past, so they are going to say, "Oh, even if I fail in the final,、uh, there's still another final next year." So they are able to see that rather than let's look that in. If you view What you achieve, what you don't achieve, as the end, and that's going to really hurt you. And I'm going to turn to Neil, and I think very important thing is love. Okay, Neil, you've got to deal with passion. We got to deal with expectation and a failure as a process. Now apply that to Christianity, Neil. 2.2 billion adherents, a religion that is based, if you don't mind me saying. In a failure, an expectation of something that didn't happen. How would you apply Shadong Lin's research to the Christian story? So, at the heart of Christianity is this incredible suggestion that God comes amongst us and walks as one of us over two thousand years ago, as Jesus from Nazareth, and he ends up being crucified by the Romans as a as a criminal, as A threat to Roman power. He gets crucified as someone who is overturning all sorts of ideas at the time. So, in almost every way you could imagine, that's got to tick a lot of failure boxes. And there are many people around at the time who say, "Well, clearly, this guy wasn't who we thought he was. He wasn't about to start some great new movement. He wasn't." About to show us something wonderful about God, because he's ended up just dying, and then Christianity says three days later he comes back to life. And I guess where this connects, not least with what Shadong was just sharing with us, is 
for me, that becomes a story about God choosing to reveal God's self to us in some of the most broken ways imaginable. And therefore, what we kind of assume to be failure and the end for God becomes a new beginning. Uh, and that's a beginning that is rooted in love. It's a revolution, but it's not a revolution that's about leading an army. I mean, you know, the Romans have got the army and the, and the Roman army seems to win. But as you've said, Ed, now Christianity has woven itself into the fabric of our world. And there are many, many, many people who would say, this is the story that makes sense of who I am. So in a way, Shadon Lin, I mean, what Neil has talked about is, if you like, the living outcome of the four aspects that you identified in terms of passion, expectation, a failure as a process, and, and you ended with love. And I just wonder if I can take it from the width of a religion back to the individual. In your interviews with the Olympians and with the Nobel Prize winners, what else did you learn from their stories? In relationship to what Neil is just talking about, is that it's very interesting. You know, several interviews when I asked people, uh, especially athletes, I said, "So, can you tell me your secret ingredients to success?" I remember several people said, "You know what? My religion helped me." So that was very interesting. As also. Uh, is not at all documented in any psychological literature that religion, the big beliefs about universe, about, you know, just the God is overseeing what you are doing and giving you the power and also take out some of the things you cannot do, make you feel less fearful, I guess. And so I did see that happening in some successful people I interviewed. This is Naked Reflections with me, Ed Kessler, and my guests this week are Shadon Ling and Neil Thurgood. We're discussing failure and the perception of failure. In this show, we pride ourselves on applying the clarity of hard science to a more general discussion. Here's an example, an extract from the Science Features article on the Naked Science website by Andrew Seymour on metal fatigue. You might say he's writing about failure in a non-human context. In 1952, the de Havilland Comet, the world's first jet airliner, entered service. This was hugely popular with passengers early on due to its speed, quietness and openness. One of the features contributing to this was large square windows, which allowed a lot of lighting. However, these turned out to be a huge design mistake as the corners acted as stress concentrations. In 1954, two comets were lost, killing 56 people. Both these accidents were attributed to fatigue failures, with the cracks initiating from the corners of the windows. The comments on nettle fatigue remind me of the Irish writer and poet Samuel Beckett, who wrote, ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. So are we talking about failing better? Are we talking about not giving up or are we just talking about failure? I think there is something about that it is okay to fail. That's bigger than just what's going on in me, I suspect. I think of, 
you know, the contexts that I've worked in, church communities, community development, a theological college, a federation of theological colleges. There can be times when you're in a very toxic culture where failure and mistake is irretrievable. It is the thing that must be avoided at all costs. And therefore, if a mistake happens, because the reality is mistakes happen, failures happen, we get things wrong. That's the glory of being fragile human beings. If those things happen and you're operating in a climate that says these things can't be allowed to happen, then I've watched people go through the most unbelievable pain trying to hide the fact that something went wrong, trying to hide it from their superiors or from their colleagues or from their friends or from their family um, and hiding it from themselves. So, you know, there's all sorts of other reasons why this thing happened, none of which are to do with the fact that I made a mistake. And I think, I mean, I hope to have been a little tiny part sometimes of of communities where we've been able to say failure is part of who we are. Uh, It's not something to be run away from, and it's certainly not something to be lied about. It's something to be embraced, because if we embrace it, if we acknowledge it, if we allow it to be who we are, we can understand a little bit more about what what happened and we can learn and we can grow. Is that what your research shows, Sha Donglin? What Neil said is really right. I don't think science can be advanced without failure. And however, there are some failures, like Neil said, is intrievable, right? And like I open, if I'm a surgeon, I open your brain and then I got a disaster out of it. And that you just can't afford. So you have to do lots of practice. But even during practice, still a lot of mistakes happen. That's where you learn mistakes really well from this experience. So when you actually operate, you don't have a problem. And so I think that failure is true a natural part of our discovery, our innovation, our human development, societal advance. And then you just know, since you were born, failure is along with you, all along. So I'm going to share something with you, Shadon Ling, and the listeners about Neil. So Neil is not only a minister of religion, he's also an artist. Now, as an artist, Neil, you must have depicted images that were dare I say it, a failure? <laughs> How did you deal with that as an artist? Oh, well, bless you. Um, uh, yes, the answer is many times I have failed to create. So I paint oil on canvas. That's my preferred thing. I prefer to do it quite large so that I've got lots of room to make mistakes. But there have been occasions when I'm creating something and I guess The process is that you hope that what is happening on the canvas is going to turn into what you think it's going to be. And then it doesn't. I think I discovered I had reached a point that helped when I had a painting in front of me and I hated it so much that I got a big tube of white paint and simply painted the canvas back to white and realized this was a painting that I could no longer I could no longer keep manipulating it to make it work. I just had to say, 
this painting hasn't worked. I think I've realized that that actually happens often. Maybe not as dramatic as that, because maybe what I do is I notice something isn't working and I splash some other color on. And the great thing about oil painting is you can hide an awful lot of damage. There's something about holding lightly to what we're creating. I'm, I'm really interested in that sense of being passionate, but maybe being passionate in a way that allows me to say, this, this way of doing this painting isn't working. So I'm going to try a different way. And the other thing I've learned is that sometimes you just have to walk away. You just have to say, I'm going to put that canvas in a corner and I'm going to leave it for a year and then I'm going to come back to it and, and I'll be in a different place. And maybe then it will work. Shadong, you're at the University of Columbia, one of the, the top schools in the United States. Uh, you went through Vanderbilt, as, uh, uh, as you mentioned to us before the program, excellent universities where there's a lot of pressure, isn't there, on academics? So here am I sitting in Cambridge to produce, to succeed, to innovate, uh, to be original. Does that help us or does that hinder us? One of the things that I'm very proud of being in the United States is that uh, people are not fearful about trying new things and uh, people are very imaginative. And uh, why some succeeded and others don't. And uh, I think the managing that pressure is very important and the managing that anxiety. So one of my grad students, he is studying the anxiety in relationship to math performance. And he discovered when your anxiety is exceedingly high, even simple math, you're unable to solve. However, if somebody has just no anxiety at all and doesn't have any desire to achieve, and then the society is not going to move forward. So I think the problem is not having this is better or not having that. I think it's about how much do we want to have it? And also at an individual level, how am I going to adjust my anxiety, my ambition, and my expectation to the level that I could handle and not to kill myself? Well, we're coming towards the end of this podcast. And, and I, I want to ask you both this question, which is, is failure necessary to achieve success? Neil, as a, a minister of religion, do you teach your students, do you minister your parishioners and encourage them to embrace failure or to avoid failure? Certainly to embrace failure, um, because as I think I've reflected i think we are fragile and we live lives that are subject to all sorts of things failure is part of who we are and what we are and i guess i i, I think what i'm trying to do in ministering to people is to help them engage with the reality of life and the reality of what they experience and i mean since i've come to bristol i've been doing a lot of work with people at the end of their lives um, and I've been doing a lot of funerals and I've been doing a lot of work with grieving people. And that's about allowing ourselves permission to say there are questions I cannot answer and there are ways of doing things that I wish I had done differently. The number of times I've sat with people who've said, if I had my chance again, I, I would have said whatever. And I never said it. Yeah, I think it is part of life, Ed. I'm not sure that I would want to draw 
a completely neat line from failure handled well automatically leads to greater success because I'm not sure that it always will. What it may lead to is a greater ability perhaps to be honest and real about who I am and and the reality of the fragility of my life. I would love to teach people how to avoid failure. But if I could do that, I am lying to people. And I feel is that we certainly can teach people and to think about there's no right and wrong answer, no right and wrong responses to failure. No black and white. You're saying this way is better responding, that way is worse. I, I do not think by the end of our scientific research about failure, we will discover black and white answer, right and correct and wrong answer. But the key thing is that you may need to remember failures, how to handle it, how to react to that. It's in your hands. That's all we have time for this week. I'll leave it to others to judge whether I've chaired this podcast successfully or not. Well, thanks for listening. And thanks to my guests, Shadon Ling and Neil Thurgood. And let's be hearing from you at Naked Reflections. You can contact us at the Wolf Institute by email or on Facebook or on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the show. We're quite proud of our range of subjects and you can find them in our back catalogue. It's also worth checking out our new podcast, The Eighters Out of the Holy Land from Arab to Zion. All you need to know about the Holy Land in bite-sized chunks. You can also find the Naked Reflections podcast at nakedscientist.com slash reflections or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back next week with some more guests. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.